Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church Sermon of the Week. This Palm Sunday message by Senior Pastor Marvin Lindsay is titled, The Things That Make for Peace. Our congregation is located in downtown Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit our website, www.fpccolumbia.org. In days of old, the prophet Zechariah had a vision. The king would return at last to the holy city, and peace would descend upon the earth. This king wouldn't establish peace as the way that most kings do, by vanquishing his enemies. A donkey would be his mount, not a war horse. He, came, he would come uh, with no sword and shield in his hands, his only weapons, his mighty and authoritative word. At the sound of his voice, the nations would disarm and the peoples of the world would live together in peace and in harmony. So when Jesus makes these uh, odd arrangements to procure a donkey to ride into Jerusalem on in advance of the Passover, it is as if he is saying to the crowds around him who know their Bibles and have heard the words of the prophets, the word of the prophet has been fulfilled today. The word of the prophet has been fulfilled in me. I come in peace, Jesus says. I am the one long hoped for to make peace. But no sooner does Jesus draw within sight of the holy city than he breaks down crying. If you, even you, had only known the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, he weeps. So the fulfillment of one prophecy of hope becomes the occasion for the utterance of a prophecy of doom. Jesus foretells the destruction of the city because the people did not receive with open and glad arms, would not receive with open and glad arms the coming of their king. And a generation later, the people of Jerusalem and Judea rose up in revolt against the Romans, but the Romans quashed the rebellion with great force and brutality. They covered the hills with crosses, and they destroyed the beautiful temple in the heart of the city where God's people worshipped. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom, And many biblical scholars have pointed out that the word shalom means more than just the absence of warfare between different nations. It does mean that, but it means much more than that. Not only does it mean the absence of armed conflict, but it means the presence of harmony, of wholeness, completeness, the presence of well-being, both between nations and between groups of people, and also within individuals. Jesus' whole earthly ministry, the whole reason he came from heaven to earth, was to bless the human race with peace in this fullest sense of the word, a sense of well-being between God and human beings and between human beings and within human hearts and and lives. And yet, everywhere he went, Jesus' offer of peace was received by some, but was rejected by many. The peacemaker was an oddly divisive figure. I want to share a few examples from the beginning to the end of his ministry, which maybe can explain how we get to the point where the people reject their king and the king is crowned on a cross. Early in his ministry, uh, Jesus returned to his hometown of Nazareth and he preached in the hometown synagogue. And in that sermon, he acknowledged they had some expectations that they would do, that he would do for them uh, what he they had heard that he was doing in other locations, deeds of power and miracles. But Jesus reminded that hometown congregation that in the days of the prophets of old, 
God sent the prophets to feed hungry widows beyond the borders of Israel. And God empowered the prophets to heal foreigners, Gentiles who were not citizens of the land of Israel. And hearing this, the synagogue turned on him. They expected their hometown boy to play for the home team, not to do favors for the enemy. They nearly killed Jesus that day, but Jesus escaped. It's an odd situation where he made enemies among his own people because he had no enemies. It wasn't the only time that the peacemaker caused an uproar in a house of worship. Once Jesus found a man in a synagogue with a withered hand, his hand couldn't open, and Jesus healed him. So he was able to use this broken hand again. On another occasion, Jesus encountered a woman who uh, had a disease or disability that prevented her from standing up straight, and he healed her as well. People objected. This is the Sabbath day that we've gathered on, they said. This is a day that we honor God by ceasing from work. But Jesus disagreed to some extent. Yes, ceasing work is good, but ultimately we honor God by releasing human beings from whatever binds them and holds them back, from whatever denies them peace, shalom, well-being. His gift of shalom, of wholeness to that man and that woman won him the hostility of many in the synagogues. Jesus went to dinner one night at the house of a man named Simon, and when he was there, he was approached by a sinful woman. We don't know what her sin was, we just know that she was regarded as a sinner in her community, but she was remorseful. And it was something about Jesus that inspired her to repent and to turn away from her sins. And in gratitude, she washed Jesus' feet with her hair and with her tears. Now, to wash the feet of a guest was a, a, a standard act of hospitality in those days. But the way that the woman went about it showed and demonstrated her repentance and her abject humility before this man who brings forgiveness. Simon thought to himself that if Jesus were a real prophet, he would have known what kind of woman this was, and he wouldn't let her get near him. But Jesus told the woman, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You've been forgiven. He bestowed and blessed on her that gift of shalom. And the dinner guests were troubled. Who is this that pronounces sins are forgiven? Which brings us to Palm Sunday. The way that you normally knew that your sins had been forgiven was that you went to Jerusalem and the priest in the temple offered something on your behalf in sacrifice to God. The temple was a, a place, an institution, a building for experiencing shalom with God where you would make restitution for your sins. That was the theory behind it. But in practice, Jesus looked around the temple and he saw it as a robber's den, a place where wicked people could retreat after doing wrong to their neighbors and count their loot and be assured that they were safe. Jesus threw a temper tantrum in the temple that Palm Sunday afternoon. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, he cried out. The house of worship exists to bring people together before God, not to provide false comfort and assurance to people who have been doing harm to their fellow human beings. And that was when the leaders decided Jesus had to go. It was time to make an end of him. Religion then and now is big business, and Jesus was bad for business. But by getting rid of this threat to the institution, 
they made the institution obsolete. They imposed the death penalty on Jesus. Jesus offered his death to God as a sacrifice for sins. And so now there is no more need for temple or priest or altar or sacrifice. There is need of just one thing, to put one's trust in the one who came to take away sins. The peaceable king who came to Jerusalem continues to come. He continues to approach us. In a sense, every Sunday, every day is Palm Sunday. For Jesus is alive and he gathers wherever two or three are gathered in his name. He approaches us where we are, you know, tend to find ourselves in worship, in study, in breaking bread together. He comes not to honor our time-honored traditions for honoring God, nor to soothe our anxieties about the health of the institution, nor to assure us that our enemies are God's enemies. Instead, he comes to bring peace, to bring shalom, to bring that sense of well-being in body and mind and spirit. He comes to restore the sick to good health. He comes to restore sinners to God's favor. And not just those sinners and sick who are of our clan or tribe, or who are on our side of the border, or who live up to our expectations of what good people of faith ought to look like. Wherever shalom is needed, wherever the sick need healing, wherever sinners need forgiving, wherever there are barriers of enmity that divide people, Jesus comes to bring shalom. And if he finds our traditions in the way of shalom, he sets them aside. And he finds our houses of worship offering false assurance to a few rather than spiritual renewal to many, then he cleanses them. So how shall we receive him this Palm Sunday? Shall we make an enemy of the one who comes in peace? Because we, what we value most in the Christian faith is something other than well-being with God and well-being with those whom God has created? Or shall we receive him with joy? Because we know that the most precious gift of all is that peace with God and that peace with everything that God has created. In the name of the Father and of the Son. Please share it and give this podcast a five-star rating. And consider making a financial gift to First Presbyterian Church. Your offering will feed the hungry, house the homeless, and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. Go to www.fpccolumbia.org and click on the Give tab at the top of the page. Peace be with you.